this morning, I started the sermon, I called it, God is my strength. I gave you the first half this morning, give me just a moment to catch those up that were not here this morning, and to review so that your brain, well, some of your brain is on it, uh, get you up to speed. Life has a way of beating us up. It seems like the older we get, the weaker we get. And uh, we talked a little bit about that. The statement that I want you to get is this. Much of what zaps our energy are things that shouldn't be having our energy wasted on. Most of us spend a lot of time, energy, and worry about things we shouldn't concern ourselves with. Uh, we We waste a lot of our own life on things that we really shouldn't pay attention to. Uh, we, as, uh, as a parent of adult children, I can't worry, I can't distress, I can't put a lot of my energy into my adult children and their families as far as, well, uh, they're not doing this. What are you thinking about it for? It's not your life anyway. And you waste so much of your life upset over your kids not doing something the way you would do it that you're ruining your own life and wasting your own energy. They answer to God for it, not you. You're to guide them. If they don't listen to it, they learn the hard way. Plain and simple. Uh, now we have a world full of people who are stressed out and always think they need time off and addicted to entertainment and vacations so that they can recuperate from worrying about things they shouldn't have worried about. Everybody's too tired to go to work, and everybody's too tired for church, but they got plenty of time to play in recreation. Uh, some people even some people think that I'm a bit unusual. Uh, you don't have to think. I know. But uh, I, I, I keep a pretty vigorous schedule. I, I am fairly strong. That doesn't mean I'm going to go to the gym and outdo Brother Juan. Uh, but uh, as far as a pace of life goes, and as far as uh, someone my age, I'm fairly strong at what I do. Uh, and I've found a truth in the Word of God that has kept me going. That is this, I let God be my strength. May, may I help you with something? I made this statement to Brother Anthony. I did not say this this morning. I'm going to say it tonight. We have such a weak society because people are spiritually weak. Plain and simple. When you don't have a, a thriving spirit, your soul and your body will not thrive either. That's why the world places all the emphasis on emotions and, and physicality. And that's why the world's such a mess. They really are. A person who has a strong spirit can stay stronger, longer, emotionally and physically. Brother Jim, you're 92 years young. <laughs> uh, there's a guy that's got a good spirit, and for 92, he does pretty good. Say, how, how's that work, preacher? Because he's kept his body and his spirit and his mind and his soul in line with the word of God. Amen. And when you do that, you have a stronger life. That doesn't mean he's going to go out and run a, run a 5K next week. He doesn't even know what that means. <laughs> doesn't yeah. Uh, he'll he'll sit down and watch you run it, but he's not going to do it. He, it's called wisdom, amen. 
Now, wait a minute. Uh, but why do you, why, why do we need God as our strength? Now, let me say this. I get tired. But when I get tired and I still have work to do, I say, okay, God, I need you to be my strength. And between the Holy Spirit and the word of God, I get the energy needed to do what I need to get done. There's days that it's just one bad news after another. Uh, I mean, one phone call after another that's negative, one, uh, just one battle after another that's negative, 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 and hard, hard, hard. And I get home, I'm mentally and spiritually and physically exhausted, and the phone rings. And I say, Lord, I need your strength. And it's kind of like God says, here's your B12 shot, get through it. I don't say, well, I'm too tired. I'll deal with this later. No, it's needed now. And I need God to be my strength. And I want to help you today. Sin is what causes our strength to wane. You go to Genesis chapter 3, you'll find out that weakness began to come because of sin. And the breakdown of the earth and the breakdown of man's health and aging and all those things that come with it come because of sin. It is a result of sin that we are weak. That means this, the only way to combat that is to do it God's way. We're not going to stop it, but we can stay stronger longer and have, uh, have better uh, results if we do it God's way. Now... Everybody listen to me very carefully here. We can choose to do it man's way or we can choose to do it God's way. And I said this morning, everybody needs good food. But can I tell you something? Every bit of food you take, I don't care if you call it organic or free range or whatever. Uh, it's no different than any other food because it's all cursed because the earth was cursed. If eating the right food kept your body from aging, guess what? It's not going to happen. That didn't take place because man, God uh, placed a curse on the earth because of our sin. Well, uh, I don't think you ought to take drugs, or, or uh, and I mean medical drugs. Well, you can eat tree bark and drink swamp water, or you can take a pill. You can scrape uh, the bark off an aspen tree and uh, mix it and call it aspirin, and you can take that. That's fine with me. I'm going to pop the bottle open and take one. Amen? Say, well, that's not natural. It's no more unnatural than scraping the bark of the tree. Came from the same earth. It's the same chemical compounds. <clears throat> you can take a vitamin C pill or drink 14 glasses of orange juice, but you just hurt your body more by drinking orange juice than you did by taking a vitamin C pill. There's no sugar in a vitamin C pill. There's tons of sugar in orange juice. You choose. Now, I'm not angry at either one. Let's just not criticize each other over it. Amen. Now, you say, well, mine's all natural. Right. That's like saying you drink vinegar and it's all natural. <laughs> Folks, vinegar is not natural. It's pre-wine. It doesn't occur in nature naturally. You have to ferment it. Everybody doing okay? So don't tell me it's natural. Well, it's, it's healthy for you. Well, you can go ahead and suck it down. I don't care. I drink, I put vinegar on my salad with oil and stuff. I get it. 
Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to put a glass of it down even with no taste. I, it, it still <laughs> turns teeth on edge. Amen? So, we have to choose, are we going to do it our way or God's way? And this morning, we talked about the ingredients of God being our strength. I gave you the first four this morning. Number one, God is our rock. That means our foundation, our stronghold, our, 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 our firm foundation, and it's founded in our salvation. Number two, God is my fortress, Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. The word fortress there means cash or storage for goods, weapons, and ammunition. In other words, God has an endless supply room for what I need for every battle that I face. For every amount of weakness I have, God has a cash set aside to fulfill the need and then some. Uh, number three, God is my deliverer. That is the one who carries us away safely. And I likened it unto the doctor delivering a baby. It's uh, someone who uh, takes someone else and delivers them and carries them to safety. By the way, God never promised to keep you from problems. God never promised to keep you from a problem, but he did say, I will deliver you in the problem. I I don't know about you, if I got to go through the problem, I want God with me. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego went through the fiery furnace, but God delivered them. Daniel was in the lion's den all night long, and I don't think he was laying up against the the mangy old lion sleeping all night long. Any man with any sense isn't going to fall asleep in the lion's den, amen? Say, what are you going to be doing, preacher? Getting as far away from them critters as I could. (laughs) You say, why? Don't tempt fate. (laughs) Not going to happen, but God delivered Daniel. And I could go on and on. Number four, God is my God. That is the word almighty or all-powerful. And God is our all-powerful or our almighty God. That's where we stopped this morning. Look at Psalm 18, verse number two again. Let me read verse one. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. My fortress, my deliverer, my God, next, my strength. Say, well, preacher, uh, isn't that the same? No. The word strength there is the Hebrew word that means house of rock, a bunker. It would be the word stronghold. Uh, In modern day, bomb shelter. God is that place of security that no matter what's happening on the outside you can flee there and you'll be safe god is our bomb shelter to protect us from the blasts of the devil and may i say something it's not a matter of if the devil attacks or if the evil comes it is when it's not a matter of if the problems come it's when You see, you have to understand something. You're not going to keep anybody from problems. Parents, you can't keep your kids from problems. Teach them to get through the problems. Uh, You're not going to avoid all the problems in life. If you get married, you just created more. I mean, uh, uh, it's just one of those things. And uh, you have to understand that problems are part of life. But when those problems problem times come now listen to me it doesn't mean run and hide 
but there is a place to go to for safety. And God is that stronghold, that area of strength, that place to uh, protect in times of trouble. Turn to Exodus 33 for a moment. Exodus 33, uh, that's the second book of the Bible for Brother Aaron so that he can find it with his tabs there. Uh, Exodus 33, look at verse number 22. Moses wanted to make sure that God was going to go with them into the promised land and things. And Moses and God were very close and they were friends. And Moses said, but God, I want to see you. And he said, Moses, if you see my face, you'll die. I am so holy that man can't look on it and that you would die. He said, but I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll let you see my backside after I've passed by. Look at uh, verse number 21. I'm about ready to shout. Uh, look at verse 20. Let's start there. And he said, thou canst not see my face, for shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me. Thou shalt stand upon a what? Rock. Sounds like Psalm 18, doesn't it? And it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock. and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand. And thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. God said, I'll protect you, Moses. I'll put you in the side of the rock there and I'll put my hand over you and when I pass by I'll remove my hand so that you can see but you'll not see my face he said I'll protect you in that cliff of the rock Psalm 31 4 Psalm 118 12 through 14 Psalm 27 6 through 8 talk about God being our strength and our place of of hiding turn to second Corinthians chapter 12 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to see this, and this is, a, this is an amazing passage right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse number 9. Oh, my soul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse number 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I lack rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. God says when you get to that point where you can't go on, Brother Lester Roloff was thrown in jail for running a, a children's home and rescuing uh, wayward and drunken and drug-addicted, uh, rebellious teenagers, those that were in jail. And he was housing hundreds of them and taking care of them, seeing them saved, and their lives changed. And they threw him in jail for it because he wouldn't take a state license. And he was in the prison house. About midnight, he remembered the scripture of Paul and Silas singing in jail. Brother Roloff began to, say, to sing, When sin-stricken, burdened, and weary from bondage, I'd long to be free. There came to my heart this sweet 
message, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. Yes, my grace is sufficient for thee. In shady green pastures from that dark sea, my grace is sufficient for thee. And down the way, he heard, Uncle Roly, is that you? The people that used to, the young men that used to be in his homes used to call him Uncle Roly. He said, it's me, who's that? He said, this is Big Jim. He said, Uncle Roly, what you doing in jail? He said, they threw me in jail for running the home. Of course, all the inmates, it's dark. Big Jim started to weep, and he said, Uncle Roly, I should have listened to you. I wouldn't be here. And all the inmates began to talk, and Big Jim says, Hey, y'all, shut up and listen. Uncle Roly, start preaching. Brother Roloff began to preach and had about 13 people saved, never saw one of them. I wonder if God allowed him to go through it for those 13 to get saved. You see, God was his strength, his stronghold. God makes a better bunker than a beer bottle. God makes a better bunker than a cigarette box. God makes a better bunker than running and hiding away and just getting away from everybody. How about we let God be our bunker? How about we let God be our security? Say, but preacher, I'm just, I'm just so nervous. I gotta have something to calm my nerves. Open the word of God. Fall in love with God and watch what God can do. Number, number next. I love this. In Psalm 18, not only is God my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God and my strength, <laughs> he is the one in whom I trust. The one in whom I trust. The word trust there means to depend or to stabilize. Listen to me very carefully. I, I've performed many weddings. Of course, I got married 34 and a half years ago. When I proposed to my wife and the day we stood on the platform of uh, the, the church where we were married and about 500 people or so there, my wife took her dependence from her mom and dad and put her dependence on me. She said, I am leaving. And when the pastor said, who gives this woman away? And her stepdad said, her mother and I. The moment she let go of his arm and took mine, she left the trust of her mom and dad to take me and trust me to take care of her. By the way, I'm obligated and enjoy the obligation. But may I say something, it's a big responsibility. Then a few years later, we had our first mistake called Josh. (laughs) I'll never forget, he was born, we were in Southern California. I got in the car to leave the hospital and I looked in that back seat and thought, there's a lot of responsibility there. That little kiddo was going to be riding in this car for a long time. Then a couple few years later, we were in South Carolina and we made our second mistake and Jeff was born. And I 
once again, leaving the hospital, the Trident Hospital there in uh, Goose Creek, uh, and uh, coming back to the house, I thought, there's not just one back there, there's two. This is getting a little bit more serious. Then a couple few years later, we were in Indiana and had our third perfect one. Uh, Mindy was born, and oh, my soul, I thought, man, now we're going to have to get a big vehicle because when they get older, they're not going to sit shoulder to shoulder like this. Uh, they, they had to trust me. Every job change, they had to trust me. The move from California to South Carolina and from Indiana to California and from South Carolina to Indiana, Indiana to West Virginia, they had to put their trust in me and say it's going to be okay. Turn to Psalm 71 for a moment. Can I tell you something? It's okay to trust God. But preacher, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand. Understanding comes after you trust. Psalm 71, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Skip down to verse number five. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Can I tell you something? Young people, if you'll learn to start trusting God, as a young person, the older you get trusting God comes a whole lot easier. Once you're old and set in your ways, it's harder to give up those old ways. If you'll start a habit of trusting God as a young person, as a child, can I tell you something? Your life of trusting God gets much easier. Brother Anthony grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian home. It's very natural for me to say, bless God, just, just trust him. It's a, it, but preacher, you don't, I understand. I've been through it, but I know he's delivered me many a time. When I'm weak, he's strong. And his strength is made perfect in my weakness because he gives me his strength and my weakness is gone. And then I have the strength I need to get through this. I'll just trust him. But preacher, I don't understand that. I don't either, but I've done it. I know it works. Just keep on doing it. Who said you had to understand? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You see, you're wanting to understand too much. Just trust and do what God says and the understanding will eventually come. Psalm 141, turn over there very quickly. Psalm 141, look at verse number 8. But mine eyes are unto thee, O God, the Lord. In thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares which they have laid for me. From the gins of the workers of iniquity, let the wicked fall in their own nets whilst I with all escaped. God says, just put your trust in me and I'll take care of your enemies for you. Amen. Psalm 144, look at verse number one. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teaches my hands to war, my fingers to fight, my goodness and my fortress my high tower, and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Sounds an awful lot like Psalm 18, one through, uh, Psalm 18, 2, doesn't it? Using the same words, fortress, deliverer, all those words are used again, in whom I will trust. Uh, let God stabilize you. Everybody look at me for a second. 
We live in a society that's constantly freaked out. Oh, did you read the news? Did you hear what they said? Yeah, I heard what they said. You say, preacher, are you worried? Not at all. If anything, I'm encouraged because that means we're getting closer to Jesus coming back and we're going to blow this popsicle stand. Good night. You think I'm worried about it? No, I'm hoping a bomb lands on, on the Temple Mount right now. You say, you are? Yeah, blow that mosque up. That means God's ready to rebuild the temple. That's going to happen during the tribulation. Guess what? That means we're out of here. <laughs> One well-placed bomb. Here we go. I'll pull the trigger. I'll push the button. Whatever we need, let's go. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Hey, sinners are going to let you down. Did you know that sinners sin? I know that's a hard concept. Did you know that sinners are going to let you down? <laughs> if you're married, you know that for sure. <laughs> God is not going to die just because you're weak. God's not going to change because you have a problem. You see, we need to uh, securely trust in him. We need to not worry. It's kind of like the, the child that's afraid of the storm. I had a child, and I won't tell you which one she was, uh, but uh, she was terribly afraid of storms. And I think it's funny, she ends up in uh, Georgia, where it's the second highest rate of lightning and storms in America. She deserved that one. God has a sense of humor. But uh, she used to, oh, she saw The Wizard of Oz as a child, and she still won't watch that show. She's scared to death of tornadoes. Folks, I've lived in this area 22 years and haven't even seen a funnel cloud. Now, when I grew up in Ohio and in Indiana, we used to chase the funnel clouds watching them. I mean, they came through all the time. I've seen many tornadoes. And yet, she, she had it in mind, she's going to be the, the girl on the bicycle in the, in the tornado. You know, the house is going to blow away. <laughs> I'll get you. Anyway, uh, but... All those things going on. And I finally one day I got so angry with her. I took her outside in the middle of a storm. It's crashing and banging and the rain's a blowing. And she's got her head buried in me and her arms and legs around me like this. And I said, is daddy afraid? No, but I am. She was only 15. Oh, uh, but <laughs> she said, no, daddy, but I am. I said, tell you what. You don't have to be afraid if daddy's not afraid. When daddy gets afraid, then it's time to get afraid. But until daddy's afraid, don't worry about it. I'll let you know when it's time to be afraid, all right? Okay, but I'm still afraid. Too bad. We stood out there for 10 minutes while the lightning's going. <laughs> Say, I don't think you ought to have done it. Well, got my point across. She'd hear there's bad storms coming. She'd hold it in. She learned to get through it. Now she's the mommy and has to get through it. You see, if God's not afraid, don't be afraid. Why is it because you're afraid you think everybody else has to be? Just because you're in distress doesn't mean you have to distress everybody else. This is why this newfangled Christianity doesn't please God. Oh, 
we have to we have to train people for their emotions. I'm so sick and tired of men with emotions and emotional instability. Good night. We have more churches, more Baptists preaching on and writing books on people's emotions. Emotions have nothing to do with being spiritual. If you'll get this right, this will be okay. You have problems here because that's wrong. Plain and simple. When this relationship is right, these relationships are right. If these relationships are wrong, that relationship is wrong. That's how it works. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to like you. But it does mean that you can be right on your side of the relationship. You see, man wants to be tickled. Man wants his emotions satisfied. And he thinks he can please God if he's happy. Well, I've been happy doing some things that weren't right at times in my life. Uh, When we were playing war using BB guns and air rifles and all kinds of stuff and came home with holes in our shirts and pants and dad found out we were shooting each other with BB guns and air rifles, I wasn't as happy as I was when we were playing war. Because the bomb dropped all right on me. Say where? In the hindermost parts. Man, I got beat like you wouldn't believe for that. Can I tell you something? We please God by our obedience to the Bible, not just our knowledge of the Bible. God doesn't care how much you know. He cares how much you're living. Some of you are brand new Christians. Great. Live what you know. We'll teach you the rest. Hang in there. Don't worry about what you don't know yet. Just live what you do know. And as you start living what you do know, God will give you a little bit more. But there's people here that you know an awful lot about what that book says, but you're not living it. Okay, moving on. Living by faith is not living foolishly. It's doing all we can by obedience to the Bible And trusting God to do what we cannot do. Living by faith is not foolishness. Living by faith isn't the power of positive thinking. Oh, I just believe God's going to... No, it's not a matter of that. You can believe God's going to do something, but God's not obligated it because you believe it. Used to be a statement back in the 70s. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. It's two-thirds right, one-third wrong. God said it, that settles it. I don't care whether I believe it or not. Don't care if you believe it or not. God said it, that settles it. Doesn't matter what I believe or not. Doesn't matter what you believe. If God said it, you can put your trust in it. Number seven. God says in Psalm 18 that he is our buckler. Now, a buckler is one of those small, round shields. When we were kids, we used the trash can lid. Amen? Uh, But it's a small, round shield to protect the arm and the hand, the forearm and the hand of a soldier. Usually it was layered with alligator or crocodile hide and placed on the forearm. It It was a way to protect 
your forearm and your hand so that you could keep fighting in battle, especially if somebody was using swords or spears or things like that. You could, you could take the attack and it would cut that, but it wouldn't cut through to you. Now, I want you to get this part of it. Usually it was covered with very thick hide. Can I tell you something? God's going to give you thick enough hide to take what's coming your way. We got a bunch of thin-skinned people in our world today. Got a bunch of people that can't take a, a little bit of <laughs> little bit of roughness. Uh, there's so much that I want to say here. Turn to Second Samuel chapter 22 very quickly. Second Samuel 22. Look at verse number 31. I want you to notice what God says here. Look at verse number uh, 29. For thou art my lamp, O Lord. The Lord will lighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop. That's a group of enemy soldiers. By my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler. To all them that trust in him. God says, not only will you trust in me, but put that buckler on and I'll protect you while you're fighting. I'll give you a thick enough hide to take it. Well, preacher, I just don't know if I can take it. Put your buckler on. Let God be your buckler. You can take it. You think I enjoy some of the battles I face? No. You think I enjoy being criticized for some of the things that I do that are right and scriptural? No, but guess what? I got thick hide. It's okay. I'm not such a thin-skinned Christian. Uh, Turn to Proverbs chapter 2 very quickly. I'm going to skip over several verses, Psalm 35, 2, Psalm 91, 4, but Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 7. Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 7. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. God wants to toughen you up emotionally. (laughs) May I help you? Christians ought to be tough emotionally, not weak. That doesn't mean you don't have emotion, but you get your emotion under control. Everybody has emotions. We're not to be led by our emotions. We're not to let our life be ruined by our emotions. Uh, Emotions are supposed to be like spice. Uh, Spice doesn't... uh, Okay, you can't make a steak out of salt. But you can make a steak taste a little better with the right kinds of salt. You, you enhance the flavor, you, you up the, uh, the enticement and the pleasure of it with the spice, but too many people just want to live by spice. That's why their life is a mess and they're weak because they have no protein to go with it, it's just spice. And if you live by your emotions long enough, you're going to burn yourself out. I didn't say we shouldn't have emotions. I don't think it's wrong to put spice in food. But the older you get too much spice, you pay the price. Amen? 
<sighs> and I, we need a generation that's tougher than this. We've got to cry every time something happens. Can I tell you something? Go ahead and cry, but don't do it in front of everybody. I'm not saying it's wrong to cry, but, man, people cry over the silliest of things. Good night. People are all distraught and distressed over the craziest things. <laughs> God says put the buckler on and take it. You might get slashed and dashed, but it's, it's going to cut through that alligator or crocodile hide, but it's not going to cut you. It's okay. It's a close call, but guess what? I'd rather be a close call than a score. Mm-hmm. God wants you to realize that the close-up attacks are coming. He will be there to be the buffer for the close and hard blows that are coming so that you're ready for it, but he didn't say he'd take the battle away. Realize there's going to be some close-quarter contact, but God protected you. Keep on going. Number eight, and I'll hurry. God says in Psalm 18, too, that he is the horn of my salvation. Now listen to me, that, that term, the horn of my salvation, it literally means a horn or a set of horns as a figure of power. Uh, right now you're starting to see some of the bucks come out of the woods. And sometimes you'll see two or three bucks in a field and the, in the, in the buck with the biggest antlers is pushing all the little guys around. I was sitting in a tree stand the other day and a little spike buck come walking by me. And he had his fur all messed up and he was, he had some spots on him, looked like blood dripping down one side. And I took a picture of it and I sent it to Brother Aaron. I said, he got a good old fashioned fanny kicking from a big buck around here somewhere. He was just beat up a little bit. You say, why? Because he's just a little little year and a half old buck, and he got in the way of a big mature buck, and the big mature buck said, get out of my territory. And started pushing and shoving and putting his antlers into him and raking his head up on him and cutting him and everything else. Man, they'll push and shove. They'll take their antlers here in the next couple of weeks, and you go out in the woods with a set of antlers and start rattling. Sounds like a bunch of bucks fighting. You hear this clack, 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 clack. And they're just banging each other's heads and fighting each other. I've seen them to where they lock horns to where they die with their horns locked together. They'll push and shove each other to death. Say, why? Because those horns are a sign of power. They're a sign of importance and they're, they're, they're trying to attract the does. <laughs> It's letting the less powerful know who the top dog is. Can I tell you something? (laughs) Salvation's all about what God did, not about what we did. Salvation's all about what God did and what we got. And if you'll let that be your strength, that's what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is all about. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not to go through life, uh, ha, 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 I'm a Christian, you're going to die and go to hell. No, it's I'm a Christian and I can show you how not to die and go to hell. You see, we're saved by grace, not by works. And we're not saved by our power, but by his power. 
It's a symbol of confidence. You watch a big old buck walk out right now. You don't have to wonder if it's a buck or not. The does are walking around right now with their heads down or they'll pick their head up and their ears are going, foo, 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 foo. Big old buck walks out and he's got his chest pulled out and he's got his head lifted up and he's doing this. Say why? <laughs> he's strutting his stuff. He's like a 12 or 13 year old boy that found one chest hair. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Big man on campus. He needs to shave with a pair of tweezers, amen? Uh, That that horn of salvation is a symbol of confidence. Can I tell you something? Child of God, if you're saved, lift your head up. You don't have anything to be ashamed of. It's the world that ought to be ashamed, not us. (laughs) Who's that idiot, Bill? Is it Mayer? Mauer? Mar. What an evil demon that man is. A devout... Don't read the man. He's some newscaster. He called the new speaker of the house the same as the main murderer. He said it's a fine line between him because of his Christian faith. Oh, yeah. He's a heretic, he's a fool, and he's an idiot. When you start comparing somebody that will kill those people like that man did in Maine because somebody's a, a devout Christian and lives by biblical principles and is not afraid of it in the House of Representatives and call him the same as a mass murderer and say it's just a very fine line between the two. People like that need to be shut up. Amen. We don't need to hang our head down. We need to lift our heads up. Amen. We... Uh, <laughs> boy... Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That means this, we need to live by the word of God. Don't turn there, but 1 John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our, uh, looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. We have eternal life. They have eternal death. What are we hanging our heads in shame for? We need to hold our head up high and not cower in weakness as a Christian. Lift your head up and say, I'm a Christian. Say, well, uh, that might offend somebody. Good, at least you know they're listening. (laughs) Lastly, and I'll I'll go very quickly here, God says that he is our high tower. (laughs) That word, that term high tower means this, impenetrable fort. Set up high so the enemy can uh, be seen a long way off and can't even enter. That high tower sits up on the top of a mountain peak and it looks down and it's impenetrable. The enemy can't get to it from any direction without being destroyed. And God said, he is our high tower. Did you know that even if the world hates us enough to kill us, guess what? They can't get rid of us because I'm going to live forever. <laughs> you see, the devil can't take away what God has given to you. When the devil reminds you of your past, how about you remind him of his future? 
Well, you know what you did. Yeah, but I know where what you did, and I know where you're going, and I know where I'm going, and it's not the same place. Ha, 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 ha. You see, the worst thing that happens to a Christian is we have to stay here till heaven. That's the worst. Well, oh, preacher, what if they threaten to kill us? Then you're going to go to heaven. It's okay. But, 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 yeah, I know. I can't promise it's not going to happen. But I can tell you this, I know where I'm going. <laughs> we didn't spend any time on this, and I'll just read it, and then I'll close. Psalm 18.4, the sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. Cried unto my God, and he heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry came before him, even into his ears. Can I tell you something? God will hear you. When you're weak, he'll be strong. He'll be your rock, your fortress, your deliverer, your God, your strength, the one in whom you'll trust, your buckler, the horn of your salvation, and your high tower. We don't have to live in distress. We don't have to live in fear. <gasps> Is there going to be another COVID? I don't know. I don't care. Well, what about, what about, uh, it, I don't worry about it. I don't panic. Just because you've got a sniffle and you sneeze doesn't mean you're going to die of COVID. Amen. Let God be your strength. Let the devil and sin and the hard times of life come, and if you'll let him be your strength, you'll get through it easier. I didn't say it's going to be easy, but it'll be easier. I didn't say there'd be no hard times, but you'll be strong enough to handle them. How about we just let God be our strength? I gave you the nine ingredients of God being your strength. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. I wonder how weak we are because we rely on self. How much stronger we would be if we would rely on God, the one in whom we trust.